Hey guys, this is Justin from The Prince of Memegypt. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Prince of Memegypt and on Twitter at Internet Moses. You're listening to Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad on the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, guaranteed to be gluten-free. I'm Deborah Grace, author of the book Crucifying the Bible, available on Amazon, and you're listening to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Look at me. In this episode of the Tall, Friendly, Atheist Dad podcast, I'm going to chat about all of the cars I've driven and have had some responsibility for since my youth. This is where the dad in Tall, Friendly, Atheist Dad comes in. The very first car I drove was a 1983 model Mitsubishi Sigma, but some of you may know it as the Chrysler Sigma. That's because in Australia, Mitsubishi brought out the Chrysler brand. This car was as stylish as it sounds. It didn't have power steering, power windows, central locking, or mod cons. Air conditioning? Wind the windows down and drive really fast. If you locked your keys in the car, the coat hanger was your best friend. And this was the beauty of this model. It was so basic that you knew what you were getting. And because it was so ubiquitous, getting second-hand parts was hardly a problem. Once the Sigma gave up the ghost, along came a Ford Falcon XE 1985 model. Me and my mates called this the Kahuna because the car was literally banana yellow and the previous owner had a sticker that said Big Kahuna in the rear windscreen. Yeah, it's a little daggy and a little cringy, but I thought it added a certain lower class charm. This vehicle was nice because not only was it one of those nice big 1980s Fords that were so spacious you could sleep in them. Not only did it have that nice V6 grunt, but it also ran on LPG. So it was cheap to get around in, and given the numerous kilometres I drove as a pizza delivery boy, I needed something economical to run around in. And yet again, the ubiquity of this model meant repairs and parts were easy to come by. After that came my first proper vehicle purchase as a young independent man trying to make his way in the world. And this model you may have never ever heard of, the Daewoo Espero, or as one of my smart aleck mates called it, the Daewoo Espresso. 
There was a bit of a story behind this one that may either entertain or sadden you, or both. I had just moved over to Melbourne, looking to start my career after graduation. This one employee interviewed me, took me on board, but said that at some stage I'd need a car because I'd be travelling between client sites. Not knowing much, I grabbed a local newspaper and scoured the used car and used lot ads with an eye on finance. I didn't have much money at the time, so it was a definite that I was going to need a loan. And let me tell you something I found out from the process. The way you get a great deal on finance is to be in the position to not need finance in the first place. If you're well off and relatively secure, you'll get a great interest rate with low fees. But if you're desperate and lacking in funds, that number in front of the... I hate motorbike riders. But if you're desperate and lacking in funds, that number in front of the interest rate jumps up a fair bit. I think it's almost worthwhile asking genuine and kindly people you know for a private loan, even if it's multiple people giving you fractions of the amount you need. Because if you default on that, it won't ruin your credit score, and the interest rate is bound to be fairly low with a private loan. So anyway, I went to this one car yard, sat down with the young man who had mountains of hair product, sitting in this makeshift office in a portable building, because used car yards are the epitome of style. And the car they said they would consider selling me was this ugly green thing no one wanted. The problem, though, is that because I needed finance, they really put me through the ringer. Not only did they want excruciatingly personal details, not only did they want a letter or assurance of employment from a place I'd only worked at for three weeks, but they actually wanted a certified copy of my university graduation certificate. Wow. But... The ordeal wasn't over. They say 60-minute finance, but in reality, 60 minutes is if you're one of those people that doesn't really need the finance. Poor old me. I had to wait a week. And in that time, I was scouring my options, calling friends, family, checking with payday loan providers, and the basic reality was either... I got a car, or I got no job. It was like that. Anyway, eventually, the day came around when finance got approved. I got invited back to the car yard to pick up my wheels. Now, in Victoria, if you buy a car on finance, it's mandatory to have comprehensive car insurance. And this is more to protect the finance company's interests, not yours. Because even though you pay the registration, the maintenance, the fuel, and anything else, that car is effectively the finance company's car until they've extracted every last dollar that they want. 
And speaking of which, the same company that provided the finance had ties to the company that provided the car insurance. Who would have thunk? So when I went to sign the finance documents, I also had to sign insurance documents. And guess who was put straight away on the lowest rating insurance, meaning the highest premiums? This guy. Anyway, I finally got my car, held on to my job, and I actually enjoyed the car. Yeah, it was a small car for a tall guy, but it had a massive boot, or trunk, I think you guys in America call it. Like, it was surprisingly big, to the point that picking up people from the airport was no stretch. Over time, and as my finances allowed, I upgraded the car to have tinting, central locking, and my favourite upgrade, the Sony 200W stereo system. That thing rocked. It was the best non-touchscreen stereo I've ever used, and its radio antenna was so strong that I could get FM radio signals from Melbourne 500 kilometres away. After that came the 1994 Ford Falcon. Again, brought second hand. Advantages? Massive space. Nice V6 grunt. Nice to drive. Felt like a family car. And this was the perfect car to drive my first child home in. Disadvantages? Not so fuel efficient, harder to park, and buying secondhand, it came with issues. First, the air intake was clogged, so at times, the car would have trouble getting from first to second. You had to rev it up, and then hopefully the car would get enough fuel in to be able to climb gears. Thankfully, that was soon fixed. But... The biggest drama came with the ignition. There were times when the car literally would not start. And this would happen at very inconvenient times. Not helping the situation was that the extended warranty I purchased off of the car yard was not even worth the paper it was written on. What happens is that for the warranty to be valid, you have to take the car to certain mechanics within the dealer network. And surprise, surprise, there aren't many around. And they had very stringent requirements for fixing up their cars under the warranty. Let's just say it was a waste of time both buying the warranty and trying to get this ignition issue rectified under the warranty. What it turned out to be was that the soldering on the ignition box was starting to come undone, and at this stage it was a 12-year-old car. Once my mechanic was able to get to the bottom of that, we were sorted. After a few years, I was now driving a company car because of a role change, and I found I was driving the company car a lot more than my own, so I sold the Ford Falcon. The first company car I was officially put in charge of was a grey 2007 Subaru Forester. Subarus, and in particular the Foresters, aren't the most exciting vehicles. 
but they're hella reliable and they just feel like a decent car. And one of the coolest things about having a company maintain Subaru is that when you get your car serviced at the dealership, they let you drive one of the new model Subarus as a loan car for the day. And man, some of those loan vehicles were pretty good. The Tribeca was by far my favourite. This car and I had some adventures, but it wouldn't be until my next car that things got serious. That next car was a 2010 Subaru Forester, and I got this one because my colleague was flaky. Trent, not his real name, was brought in to be my buddy and to show me how to be a better technician. At this stage of my career, I was still junior. I was working hard, but there's nothing quite like experience. So Trent was brought in to be the seasoned veteran to my enthusiastic rookie. The problem? Trent wasn't good at self-management, and was prone to going off the radar, especially at inconvenient times. What that meant was that when something urgent needed to be done, it would inevitably be me who goes to put the fire out, even though I would be located further away than Trent and would have further to drive. All because Trent conveniently decided he wasn't going to pick up his phone. So the management decided to make us swap our cars. He had the nice 2010 Subaru, and I had the not-quite-as-nice 2007 model, which also had a GPS unit fitted. The reason given to Trent for the car swap was that I was driving twice as much as he was, so to even out the wear and tear, he would take my car that has done more miles, but he will be driving it less than me who will get the younger car, but will thrash it more. Trent and I swapped vehicles. He chucked his stuff in my car. I chucked mine in his. I drove off home. And I never saw Trent again. He quit the following day. I pushed that 2010 Subi to over 200,000 kilometers, including to the point it needed a head gasket replacement. And when the five-year lease was up on the car, my company had signed to get us all new Volkswagens. Someone in the company had this genius idea that we would try to offer a service where we drive to a distributor warehouse 20 miles out of the city, put customer equipment in our cars, pallet and all, then deliver the equipment to customer sites wherever they happen to be in Melbourne. This idea to deliver customer equipment was met with very little enthusiasm, especially by those team members that live 50 miles from the warehouse. So thankfully that fell through. But there were only two low-end commercial vans around at the time that could handle a pallet, and by gold, we were getting one of them. Please welcome the 2014 Volkswagen Caddy Maxi. 
I love the Caddy Maxi for three reasons. One, the Bluetooth hands-free system was a godsend. Because, for whatever reason, our company hadn't thought to provide Bluetooth hands-free units to mobile field technicians who drive half the day in their cars. Second, the opaque rear quarter panels gave me both privacy and shade. And thirdly, the inordinate amount of cargo space inside was brilliant. God only knows how many trips to Costco and Ikea that car did. But on the contrary, I hated it for two reasons. One, the auto stop feature. After the engine is sufficiently warm enough, when the vehicle comes to a complete stop, the engine cuts off to save fuel when idling. It's almost ubiquitous now, but at the time. And I hated it, because how many times did I get stuck at a roundabout? A gap in the traffic finally comes through, but because my engine had stopped itself to save fuel, I would lose that window of opportunity to move because it took a couple of seconds for the engine to restart, for the gearbox to engage, and because this car was diesel, it wasn't doing quarter miles in under 30 seconds, I'll tell you that much. And two, the headrest configuration. For some weird reason, some of the Volkswagen cars, especially in the commercial division, have the headrests on the driver and passenger seats angled quite far forward, which apparently is designed to reduce head and neck injuries in the case of rear-end collisions. But in my opinion, they are angled so far forward to the point of discomfort. And because there was no armrest in the car, I eventually got back pain. Some nimble use of cushions and an old tracksuit rectified this, but yeah. This car lasted me until I left the company. And again, it was a car I did over 200,000 kilometers in. The two cars I bought since then were a 2012 Volkswagen Caddy and a 2020 Volkswagen Caddy. The story of my life with the 2012 Caddy and how I ended up with the 2020 Caddy is covered in my episode, Lessons from Life, The Breakdown. And I went for Volkswagen because I know those cars, they have a service centre right near me, and I genuinely love the cars they produce. Out of all those cars, my favourite would be the 2010 Forester and the 2020 Caddy. Maybe the car I get in the year 2030 will be my next favourite. Who knows? Let me know on Twitter at TFADpod. Comment on the Facebook post on the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast page on Facebook. Or jump over to www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com and comment on the blog. Have a great week. 